Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Mick Clifford Podcast with the Examiner. Now, once upon a time, the biggest job in broadcasting in this country was as presenter of The Late Late Show, or at least the biggest personality in broadcasting was the presenter of the show. In March of this year, Ryan Tuberty announced he was hanging up his boots. Immediately, the bookies got cracking on who his successor would be. The noises from Donny Brooks suggested that it was time for a female to take the reins. Fairly quickly, Miriam O'Callaghan ruled herself out. Claire Byrne was installed as the favourite. Then, two weeks ago, she bowed out. Within days, another female broadcaster being mentioned in dispatches, Sarah McInerney, said it wasn't for her. Then, last week, with the pack loosening up, the name Patrick Keelty came to the fore. Now it would appear that the bookies are not taking any more money on his candidature. But what exactly will Keelty, if it is him, or somebody else, if it is them, be facing into? Has the show had its day? Or can it be remade into something that would both fit snugly into the times in which we now live, yet retain major relevance for that, I suppose, shrinking demographic that still sits in on a Friday night to see what's going on with the nation? Joining me to discuss the past, present and future of the Late Late Show is Jane Souter, Professor of Political Communications and Director of the Institute of Future Media and Democracy and Society in DCU. Jane, you're very welcome. Thanks, Mick. Delighted to be here. Jane, I suppose, first of all, uh, (laughs) the goss, as it's known, I presume you've been following with bated breath the sorting out of the runners and riders over the last few months. Absolutely. It's really interesting to see how it's all being choreographed, isn't it? It is. And do you think it's all being choreographed? Well, I think so to to some extent. It seems quite clear that, you know, Claire Byrne was very seriously considered and, you know, without going into formal negotiations and uh, and then pulled out. But I'm sure it was suggested to others who weren't interested and weren't in formal consideration that they they would say it that would uh, allow things to uh, to happen and yeah i think it's all quite fun some are saying that you know i don't know is irony the right term but that is is very interesting that when the the word was put out that um rt felt it was time for a woman to be the the presenter that the three frontrunners, all women, were the ones who opted out. Now, I have a slightly different take on that, in that if you look at all three women concerned, they're all primarily journalists. And I just wonder whether they looked at it and said, wasn't for them. In that vein, though, I know uh, I think uh, Claire Byrne made reference to her family, having a young family and that sort of thing. But overall, in terms of, of uh, a career path, I just wonder... Does it signify as much a shaking up of of what exactly is required for this job and the type of individual who might be suited to it? Yeah, no, I think so. Because, you know, like Gay Byrne had obviously, you know, his completely iconic sort of uh, 
morning radio show and, and so on. But he wasn't actually, you know, a current affairs journalist. I suppose Pat Kenny was to a slightly greater extent, Ryan Tuberty wasn't. So Sarah McInerney, you know, is a very talented journalist. You know, Miriam O'Callaghan is a really talented journalist of uh, of many years standing. Claire Byrne has done quite a lot of uh, current affairs. So, and I think hosting a chat show is actually a very different skill set. And, you know, if you look across the water in either direction, you see that the, the kind of people who tend to do it definitely have some comedy bones about them. And that's probably what is needed to uh, to keep audiences. And, you know, Ortiz's big challenge now is to try to stop the fall off in viewership of, you know, those aged 20 to, to 40. And uh, so for that, they you know, you probably need to look at something different. But I think it's also fair to say the kind of... Um, the kind of attention you get from other journalists um, and from the media in, in general and from the public, it's pretty intrusive and it's probably more intrusive for, for women than for men. So I wouldn't blame them for a moment for, for thinking about that and whether they want to subject themselves to that and whether they want to move away from current affairs to the extent that hosting the late late would imply. Very much so. And I know it's been said a lot and it is quite obvious, but so much about the Late Late Show and it's, I suppose, even gone back decades, it differed in a large way from other similar late night shows or evening shows as they were in its character. And basically it was built around the strengths of Gay Byrne and you know, you, you can understand, for example, when Byrne retires in 1999, that the, the, they would keep going with, with the similar type of show. But you just wonder, is it way too jaded by now? Is it way too unsuitable for the times we live in? Yeah, you know, so I think there's, you know, it's an iconic show. It's one of the longest running ones. Obviously, the toy show is uh, is definitely going to be kept. But I thought it was interesting that there was a lot of reporting that, you know, in the kind of early discussions with Claire Byrne, that, you know, they were thinking about changing the format a little bit, you know, bringing the times earlier, um, maybe having fewer shows in the year and, and so on. So obviously, you know, the, the those with power in Montrose are, are open to some sort of changes. But I think also you have to um, be able to play to the strengths of whoever it is that you choose. So I imagine that the, you know, the person who's eventually chosen, um, really the format has to be changed to suit uh, their uh, strengths and weaknesses. But I also think it's really kind of interesting looking at Patrick Hilty, if he's the front runner now and, you know, his kind of... Um, history with it so uh, with 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 broadcasting you know so like he was the person chosen to interview uh uh Bertie Ahern and Tony Blair after the Good Friday agreement in Downing Street you know uh, he's also the person who got you know the uh, Garth Brooks or Muhammad Ali's kind of first interviews or whatever so he's got some of those kind of gay burn things as well as the kind of the the comedy and the and the ability to connect with younger audiences, you know, he's done Love Island and stuff like that as well. So he's got kind of a good breadth. 
So I can imagine if they allow the, the format to change and allow him to have a good deal of input into it, that um, they they should be able to maintain something that reflects back Irishness, which is the really important thing, um, reflects back what a new Ireland looks like um, to the people, but can also try to... Um, bring in those people under the age of 40 or 45 besides on toy show night. Yeah, very good point. No, some people might suggest, for example, no, I'm not sure how accurate this is, but to, to some extent, I don't think he's ever actually lived in what people in the North called a free state. <laughs> uh, and and I, I, he went to college in uh, Queens, but I think largely after that he lived abroad. And I don't know whether he would he would actually move here. Um, those kind of elements to his background for this, as you say, as an iconic show, that's the kind of thing I suppose he has the personality to get over pretty easily enough. Oh, I think so, you know. But, and it's in, like, who knows, do you know what I mean, with with all of these things. But he was on the red carpet, I think, wasn't he? Um, yeah, you know, IFTA for the, Awards. Yeah, the IFTA Rewards. Uh, and um, I think his wife actually hinted that they would move to Dublin um, in kind of a Vox Pop with some journalists who were at the side of the red carpet there. Um, and... You'd have to imagine that that would be an important part. But then, like, look at Kevin Backhurst. Like, he didn't, you know, newly installed as as DG and in his first round as deputy DG, as I understand it. He mostly commuted backwards and forwards to London. I don't know what he's doing this time. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, I mean, and as well, uh, Patrick Keelty, of course, he has... Um, he has his own personal history that goes to the heart of what in a current affairs sense, is the biggest issue on this island over the last 50 years, in that, tragically, his father was murdered by uh, loyalist elements in 1988 when he was still a teenager. I think it was some months after, actually, he featured as a member of an All-Ireland winning down minor team, County Down Mm. minor team. And he's done a bit of work in that respect as well. He made a documentary there where he met the likes of Jackie McDonald, the leader of the UDA, and and, and he spoke very um, movingly about his, his own history and, and about trying to um, reconcile in the North. And he, he also comes across as somebody who, you know, if there is to be any kind of a discussion going forward into any changes on the island as a whole, he he is the type of individual I would suggest that would really strike you as somebody who'd be well placed to um to to, to to be some form of a conductor in that respect. Oh no, absolutely. You know, it's like really impressive when you look back at what he's done and kind of shaking hands with he says, you know, you can't forgive but you can understand and you know there's different kind of things he said and shook hands with the the loyalist paramilitaries, you know some of his group is responsible for his father's murder. So he really does understand that. And, you know, I think he was one of the, um, when he first set up in Northern Ireland, you know, he played in the kind of the centre of Belfast and began telling jokes um, about both sides. And, the, you know, the kind of comedy that um, I know at the time people were sort of saying, you know, you'd only expect to either happen in a loyalist working man's club or somewhere on the Falls Road. Um, among their their own sides, and yet he did it with both sides together. 
So I think he's always been that kind of force for, you know, trying to see the irony in the situation, trying to bring both sides of the of the community together. So, you know, I think he has remarkable insight in uh, in that domain. To know what's really happening, subscribe to the Irish Examiner today at irishexaminer.com forward slash subscribe. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. No, Jane, just briefly to look at the Late Late Show and I suppose in some ways people might suggest, particularly in today's world, that it could be viewed as something of an albatross. I mean... Uh, younger people, I think, in particular, will have no idea of the level of impact it had on the country right through the 60s, 70s, 80s, all the way into the 90s even, all the time during Gabe Burns' uh, tenure there. And I just picked up a thing there, just Colm Tobin, the, the, the writer, he wrote a piece back around 1984-85 in McGill magazine. And that was at, at the height of, of the popularity. Just briefly there, what he wrote about at the time as to the, the, the show's impact. In no other country in Western Europe were the arguments about national life so heated, with the contrasts so stark. In no other country was curiosity so great about which way things were going to swing. In no other country could so many be outraged by so few. Gay Byrne understood that. He put it in his show, mixed it with a bit of music, visiting movie stars from Hollywood, pop stars from England, people you have, have heard about and now you can see odds and sods from around Dublin. Now, I think that really sums up what it was, Jane. It really was that unique, that, that, that notion of a national conversation or, to use the modern term, they say, a, a water cooler moments. That really came to life um, on the late, late back in those days. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And that's been the problem for both of the presenters since, that they're always compared back with Gabo and what was able to be achieved, and they've always come up short um, to different extents and for, and for different reasons. Um, and in a way, it's quite unfair. And probably one of the good things now is that a lot of the commentators will be uh, younger than you and I and won't have actual any memory of Gabo. So perhaps for the new person, this will uh, will come up a, will come up a bit less, and that they will be able to shape it in their own image. I don't think that we can expect in a really modern, pluralist, multicultural society that one show can reflect the whole country and result in changes to the country. Like all we can expect and and hope is that we can have some sort of a show that is um, inclusive of all the different types of Irish and Irishness that are, are there now and that it can be something that um, is watched by uh, younger generations rather than something that's always trying to remake and redo what was done in the uh, in in the eighties? So I think it has to be able to move on. It has to be able to reflect the new plural Ireland. It has to be able to reflect all the different forms and types of Irishness that uh, that we have now. 
And really importantly, I think, continue speaking to uh, to children. And the toy show is, you know, obviously a really iconic part of it. It brings in a huge amount of money and, you know, it, it, uh, but it, it also embeds the concept of the late, late into young families and into young children. I think that is, is, uh, is really important, really crucial because, you know, really sadly, RT has kind of given up on a lot of children's programming, which you know, arguably should be as an important part of their remit as uh, news and current affairs. Oh, definitely. And and it is noticeable how much they've given up on children's programming. Whether or not that's a reflection of even <laughs> even in the last 10 years, the, 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 the arc from when you'd put kids in front of Peppa Pig, I just wonder, I don't know now because I don't have kids that young anymore, but whether you'd have kids watching television in any form these days, but that's that's another matter. The other thing, Jane, is despite talk of its demise or whether or not it remains relevant, it still is one of the most watched programmes in RTE and from RTE's point of view, it still is a lucrative source of advertising. No, absolutely. It's a huge source of... Like clearly the toy show that we've talked about is, you know, the most lucrative show in RTE. But, you know, even like a random late late in January comes in the top 10 um, shows in, in RTE for viewership for, for the entire year, like in the, in, the, in the last figures. So there's, you know, still millions of people um, who watch it and it's really lucrative source of, uh, of revenue. And so it's really crucial to them that they bring in the right person who's going to keep the advertisers happy um, as well as the the viewership. And um, so it's a big decision. And, you know, I know we've been talking about Patrick Guilty, but of course, you know, the conservative nature of RT decision making sometimes, we can't forget about that. You know, there are going to be voices, I'm sure, who are sort of saying, well, you know, is he, is he, he's not tried and tested by RTE. He's not one of our own. He's not, you know, so, um, you couldn't completely rule out that somebody who has a, a longer history with RTE itself would, would eventually be chosen as kind of a, a safe pair of hands, you know? Like who, for instance? Because, I mean, as I said, we've gone through those who, who might have been considered, but is there anybody else that, would have a capacity to rescue it. Maybe that's not. Maybe that's unfair. Maybe rescue it's unfair. But to to to, to maintain whatever relevance it has, a, a, apart from somebody with the kind of celebrity wattage that uh, Kilty would have. Yeah. No. Like from my perspective, no. You know, there just isn't. And you know, you can see it. You know, from different odds and and so on. And then the reactions of some of the people whose odds are probably longer than they would like, and so on. So I don't think so. You know what I mean? I think that would be a real mistake, and it would be a way of you know putting it slowly into into a grave and just you know trying to continue with the the original Gabo format and you know just milking it until time runs out. So I think really all they can do is try to reimagine it with with somebody who has that kind of celebrity wattage and that kind of experience of doing very different formats and, you know, thinking about things in in a very different way. The other two people who have been mentioned recently, uh, and both men again, I suppose we've run out of women. <laughs> but Well, actually, Angela Scanlon is somebody who has been mentioned, who, again, could do something a bit different with it. Uh, and Darrell Breen, 
another comedian, mm. London based as well, but somebody who'd be very familiar with here, obviously, he grew up here, um, is somebody who's mentioned. And some people have suggested Brendan O'Connor, who's somebody who has forged a pretty successful career in broadcasting and again originally comes from that element of light entertainment but who can kind of lean into the serious stuff relatively easy as well I suppose they'd be the only other alternatives at the moment. They would yeah and it's hard it's hard to kind of see and I thought it was really interesting actually when Claire Byrne said that you know she was bowing out you know um Tuberty made a, a comment that this was the 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 right choice for her. There's a lot of criticism. You're filmed at all kinds of times you don't want. And he could understand why this was, you know, her choice. So I thought that was interesting that he rode in behind her choice like that. Um, but then when Keelty was announced, he kind of said, oh, maybe it's time for another PK to take over. You know, he's a lovely yeah. man, a lovely fella. Um, you know what I mean? A really good egg with a great wife or, you know, something along those lines. So I thought that was really and of course he's at pains to say that he's not part of the decision making process. But I thought the the two comments in relation to those two people were perhaps telling. We shall see. Yeah. No, another thing that arises about it is the length of the show. And I mean I can't think of any other light entertainment show, well beyond game shows and what have you, but something of this nature that goes on for two hours. And RT have a bit of an issue there because a lot of people have been suggesting that it be shortened. But were they to do so, presumably that's going to impact on the advertising take that they get from it. That's well, so that's it, because they're only allowed about half the level of advertising, um, you know, per minute that uh, what some of the commercial broadcasters are allowed. But on the other hand, you know, according to... Um, the business, the business post last weekend. You know, one of the clear things with uh, with Claire Byrne is that they were willing to bring it back to eleven. So you know that means that they were somehow or other they did did manage to think about sort of ninety minutes. And I guess, like, I wonder how many people always watch the last half hour. Like, I'm sure those slots are a lot uh, a lot cheaper. I think the average slot is about. 12 grand but it must get cheaper you know for the second ad in the in the fourth slot you know so I, I don't know how much money they would actually lose uh from from doing it but it would certainly mean that um there'd be less kind of packing of the content you know less you know filler content and and stuff just to fill up that amount of time and you know, less onus on people to have to watch things. And the other thing is that um, I presume the the new chair and new DG are going to have to put some sort of pretty serious investment into the player to actually make it usable in some way. Um, and really having a big, long show like that for over two hours on the plate, like that just isn't going to go down in, in this kind of era when, you know, people are looking at, you know, kind of one hour slots for whatever it is that they're they're going to watch, you know. And in a world where we're being told people's attention spans in general due to scrolling and what have you are shortening all round. Mm. The other issue, of course, is the future of the chat show per se, taking uh, away the other elements to go to make up the Late Late Show. I mean, we, we can see with Graham Norton, for instance, and Graham Norton is a consummate professional. He's really excellent at his job. But 
I've noticed in the last few years, and, and he now is, is hosting the BBC, he has, you know, to the greatest extent, the pick of celebrities, so to speak, right across the world, effectively, anyone to drop into Britain. And even you see some of the same heads showing up there. And we're living in an era where, I think I heard Pat Kenny saying it, actually, that, uh, you know, if, if you... Uh, J-Lo isn't going to show up and make a, a big reveal on your chat show. If you want to know what J-Lo is having for breakfast, you turn on Instagram. So the, the the whole idea of a chat show, I think, is very much under threat, apart altogether from, from the specific aspects of the Late Late Show. Yeah, and especially with the kind of the rise of influencers and, and so on, you know, whose, whose lives are entirely really uh, led on... Um, Instagram and on uh, TikTok and so on. And then they're purely about selling a product rather than a movie or or whatever it is. So that's why I think you need to go um, the in a way the late late is in some way immune to that because they will bring on sports stars. You know, they will bring on the the people on, you know, the 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 winning uh, county teams or they will talk about those kind of issues and there is that kind of mix of current affairs and light entertainment that Graham Norton can't go after you know he's purely on that kind of Hollywood uh, BAFTA treadmill you know what I mean those are the people he has to get and if he doesn't get them then he's beginning to look whereas those are kind of the um, the cream on the top if you like for for the late late as opposed to you know everything that there there is. So I think it's that kind of mixture of sort of the daily chat show, the kind of talking about what's happening, the the issues and and so on, in some ways inoculate um or tea against that. And clearly they couldn't go to a celebrity only chat show a la Norton because there aren't so many here. And of course they're all going to go to Norton first before they're going to go to Keelty or anybody else on RTE. So it's going to have to maintain. So that kind of mix of different things, which is at the heart of the late late, I think will have to stay to to some extent. But it's also probably an insurance policy for it in some ways too. Yeah, and just back to Colin Tobino, a great phrase that kind of sums up what you were saying there. People you have heard about and now you can see odds and sods from around Dublin, not just Dublin, from around the country in one <laughs> form or another, I'd say. Exactly, it, it, it does give it that bit of extra colour. One other thing then, Jane, that strikes me about it, uh, just referencing Norton again, because, you know, that, that, that show is a very popular one, one we're all very familiar with. One thing about that is that it is actually recorded and recorded, I think, 24 hours earlier. Going into the future, does the Late Late have to continue to be live? I don't know. Um, I think one of the things is if you actually wanted to be um, part of conversation and to be have the ability to kind of set news and all of that kind of thing, then you would think the answer is yes. And when you look at, you know, some of the highest late lights were, of course, you know, at the beginning of the, you know, the pandemic that shall not be named, um, you know, when the, the Taoiseach was able to go on and talk or the, you know, and people tuned into it to actually learn what was happening in a, in a communal kind of way. And I think for it to be able to serve that sort of a function for the country, then the live element is really important. And of course, the live element also does add that bit of um, 
extra frisson, if you like. You know, people perform differently when something is live and they know that it can't be edited out afterwards. Of course, it puts more responsibility on the on the presenter and so on as well to avoid libels. But I would have thought that the, the live element is is important. I think something that's recorded a day before and then bits are, you know, put out on ads on RTE to try to bring people in. I'm not really sure, but um, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, well, what strikes me about it is, is um, of course, that element of the, the competition giveaway. That would be gone if it wasn't live, which, mm. again, has increasingly become something that's being associated with it. and, and Well, you have to have one for everybody. One for you. <laughs> you do, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that whole thing as well. And as you say, uh, breaking news and what have you, there have been occasions, more than a few occasions, whereby things that have happened then featured that night on the show and, and, and it was the type of thing that would draw people in. In the round, so, Jane, um, let's for argument's sake say somebody like Patrick Keelty does get it. Would you be confident that it can maintain its relevance under a new presenter? I think so. And I think so, so long as he's given good support. But I think the, you know, the RT team behind the Late Late is super professional. You can see, you know, they've been pulling out, trying to get really good interviews for Tuberty for his last few weeks. So I'm sure so long as they all come in behind and I wouldn't see why they why they wouldn't. And he has some say, so it's actually speaking to his strengths and you know, just because it's done before, it doesn't have to continue, but there's some parts that are really important. I think it could actually be quite exciting to see what a, a new voice, a new person and uh, somebody with that kind of comedy ability um, could actually do with the space. And I think it'd be really interesting. And I, for one, would tune in. Definitely, I think I would too, certainly for the first week or two, yeah. uh, at least after that. We'll, we'll see how we go. Uh, Jade Souter, Jade, thanks very much for joining us today. No problem, thanks. Uh, I'd also like to thank our engineer, as always, JJ Vernon. Thank you, folks, for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. All the best. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.